What is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome to the Mitch Davis Show. I'm your host, Mitch Davis, founder of the Mitch Davis Show.com, podcast host of the Mitch Davis Show. Follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight. Like the Facebook and follow the Instagram pages by simply typing in the Mitch Davis Show. Also follow the website. Make sure you subscribe to the website, themitchdavisshow.com. You can find my podcast wherever you like to listen to your podcast. They're on SoundCloud, Apple, Google, Spotify, everything in between. Just simply type in The Mitch Davis Show. It is Friday, September 15th. A very, very big thank you to my guest today, Rob Brown from Sidelines.Live, for joining me to talk all things Southeastern Conference football. We talked about week three. We recapped week two. A lot of excitement going on inside the Southeastern Conference. Next week on the Mitch Davis Show, by the way, we're going to be joined by Associate Commissioner of the Southeastern Conference. Herb Vincent will be joining me on Thursday to talk all things Southeastern Conference and the bright future ahead of our conference. Also going to be joined by Trey Wallace from Outkick.com. And also, weekly guest now, Rob Brown, joining me from Sidelines.Live. Really looking forward to that. So, got three big podcasts coming up your way next weekend uh, here on the Mitch Davis Show.com or the Mitch Davis Show podcast. Check out the website, themitchdavisshow.com. Starkville, you're on deck. I will be down there for the Mississippi State and LSU. A big time Southeastern Conference matchup to start conference play. Both teams are coming in needing a win. Mississippi State undefeated at 2 0 after beating uh, Southeastern Louisiana and Arizona and Eric in overtime last week. LSU comes into the game 1 1. They lost to Florida State and defeated grambling last weekend, so it should be a really fun weekend of college football across the entire Southeastern Conference, so be sure you check that out uh, and encourage you to check me out on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight. And at this time, I'd like to welcome my guest, my good friend, Rob Brown from Sidelines.Live on the Mitch Davis Show to talk all things Southeastern Conference football. What a welcome on Rob Brown from Sidelines.Live. On to his weekly segment on the Mitch Davis Show podcast. Rob, welcome back on. How are you doing? Are you ready for some football this weekend? Man, it's great. It's, it's starting to feel like fall. You got up this morning uh, over at the farm and Cross County, Arkansas, and it's starting to Rob, let's uh, let's talk about last weekend. We had Alabama and Texas, and Texas got the the better half of that game. Talk about that game. What did you see out of Alabama, and what concerns you about the Crimson Tide heading into Week Three? Well, it's a thing that Rodney Orr and Gary Harris, you know, Tyler Insider TV, have been talking about all summer: the quarterback situation, the offensive line, the defensive lineman. You know, without Bo Davis there coaching the defensive line for Alabama. That's a seismic shift on the downside. Freddie Roach is, I mean, he's good, but he's not Bo Davis. He's not Rodney Garner. Alabama got dominated on both sides of the line of scrimmage. And what you see out of Jalen Milrow is what he is. And if they had a better quarterback, I think they'd be playing him right now. So it's not that Alabama's going to lose every game, but there's several now uh, that are very losable. But they could still end up having a great season. But in the past, there's been a uh, Tua. There's been a Mac Jones. There's been a you know another quarterback in the back of. There's been a 
Derrick Henry to bail you out at running back. They don't have that this year. I don't know if it's the portal or what, but everybody's got players. I saw that Blake Watson running back from Memphis last night as a portal kid from Old Dominion. He's got to be one of the best running backs I've seen in college football all season long in the last couple of years. You know, staying on the topic of Alabama, and obviously we saw them last night against, or last week against Texas. How do you think this season turns out for the Crimson Tide? Are they going to be able to weather the storm and maybe even make a run at the college football playoffs, or is this going to be a another disappointing New Year Six or even below that? I don't think they make the college football playoff four-team format this year. Uh, again, that's the second game of the season. That's pretty much who you are. I mean, players can get better throughout the season, but what we saw – you know, I, I, I had an initial gut reaction uh, three weeks before Texas and Alabama played. I said, I wouldn't be surprised for Texas with Quinn Ewers at quarterback and Sarkeesian, as good a coach as he is of quarterbacks and offense, to go in and beat Alabama by a couple of touchdowns. And then it got closer to the game, and I'm thinking, man, it's hard to beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. But once the game started, it was – look, in the fourth quarter – that was like a, what, three-point game? But I said, if it came down to a quarterback versus quarterback, Quinn Ewers and Texas get the advantage. But as far as the season goes, I love Kevin Steele as a defensive coordinator, but he's always had elite-level defensive line play when he's had a great defense. I don't see it at Alabama this year. There's no Sean Robinson. There's no, you know, uh, Quinn Williams out there. There's no, uh, you know, uh, superstar uh, Marcel Darius. I just don't see those guys out there. As far as running backs go, who are they? And, and Jalen Milra. I heard Cole Kubelik say this. Uh, uh, he was on the field at the Middle Tennessee State game talking to former LSU quarterback Zach Mettenberg. And he said, his own dad in some capacity in Alabama. And he said, look, just see that? And then a lot of, you know, a double-digit win season to keep the streak going. It's Nick Saban, but at the same time, this isn't, one, this isn't his best step. He doesn't have the elite linemen. And as big as their offensive line is, those guys weren't blowing anybody off the line of scrimmage the other day. And, you know, at, at one point, I'm not saying it's as bad as Texas A&M riding around on four ball tires, uh, but it's, it's not good because – the line of scrimmage play is not as good as they usually have. And in the SEC, you got to have it. But, again, the SEC, you find me a team that doesn't have issues, Mitch. Yeah. And, and I want to ask you about some of those issues. And, obviously, we watched the games last week. Uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, those two teams in particular, uh, and Missouri, those three teams, in particular, really struggled against lesser opponents. You know, Missouri struggled against MTSU. Tennessee struggled against Austin Peay. Kentucky has struggled the last two weekends against subpar opponents. How worried are you? And which out of those three teams are you most worried about heading into week three? Uh, here's some facts. The SEC so far this season is three and six against power five opponents. Only Mississippi State, Auburn, and Tennessee have defeated a power five opponent. And, and, and Ole Miss, quite honestly, which I always am honest, has the most impressive win of the year. And that's a road win at Tulane uh, last Saturday. And they had to work 
hard to do that against the Tulane team without Michael Pratt, their starting quarterback. I think the I don't know if the SEC's down. I just think the league doesn't have elite quarterback play this year. And look at compare it to the, the Pac-12. Does any league in America have the quarterback talent that they do? No. Hell no. No. The SEC, KJ Jefferson, got to be your best quarterback. I wouldn't say he's an elite quarterback. Jaden Daniels, um, he's really good. Other than that, uh, wow, we're, we this is a league. But look, a lot of football left to be played, and so the the, the buzzards are circling because they want to take the SEC out. Watch out! It's always darkest before dawn. The SEC will have a lot to say about who wins the national championship this year, and until somebody beats Georgia, they're going to win the national championship. We've got some very intriguing matchups this weekend, but I do want to ask before we jump into this week, I want to ask you about your Auburn Tigers. They they got a win. I mean, that was the best way to put it. They got a good road win over a decent Cal team. Uh, how excited are you now, now that two games have been played, about the future of Auburn football? I, I knew at the minute they hired Freeze, things would get better in recruiting, but he's checking all the boxes. Love goes to Tumor's Corner, rolls the trees embraces the fans, loves being there, loves his family being there. All that's great. He got stuck, uh, got the short end of the stick on the quarterback lottery, okay? Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford, good good kids, good, 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 good for them. But that switching quarterbacks, that does not work. It might work against UMass, but you can't play gimmick offense against teams in the SEC. I don't care if the league's down a little bit right now, it's not going to work because they're going to stack eight or nine guys in a box against you. Auburn's offensive output through three quarters last week was like 125 yards total offense. Philip Montgomery was at Tulsa. Look at Tulsa's record the last four or five years. They were horrible. Okay? Now, Hugh Freeze is trying to let somebody else call the plays, but he's an elite play caller. Billy Napier... He's trying to call the plays and do everything, and he's got the largest support staff of any team in college football. That ain't working, okay? What's your identity if you're Hugh Freeze? Great quarterback coach, great recruiter, great play caller. So far, Auburn's offense, at least against Cal, was horrible. And and, and then Peyton Thorne, he's, he's scared of something. Maybe he's not used to pass rushes when he played in the Big Ten. They got good football up there. But I'm more excited about the defense. And I'll tell you, one of the big reasons why Brian Harson doesn't need to be coaching, if you can't recognize a linebacker like Eugene Asante, number nine, who was on the scout team last year at Auburn, and you saw him against Cal, had 12 tackles, a sack, and three quarterback hurries, uh, this guy is a great linebacker. Uh, they've got some defensive players, but so far the offensive line for Auburn, has proven nothing in terms of getting a run game going. Auburn had four fumbles against Cal. I mean, and, and two of them were on reviews where they, they, they went back and they, the ball had been stripped before they hit the ground. Auburn's got talent at running back, but they're a very careless team so far. They got Sanford tomorrow. That's going to be a CBS game, clubbing baby seals. But they got to go to A&M the next week. I don't care if A&M's riding around on four-ball tires with no insurance. Uh, they're still a tough opponent. 
I've yet to see anything out of Auburn's offense that makes me think it's much better than last year. You know, prove me wrong. Bob, we got some very interesting matchups tomorrow today, and I've seen the tweets, people saying, oh, the games tomorrow suck, whatever. To me, there's some good matchups. I'm going to start off with Kansas State and Missouri. Give me your predictions. What are the keys for a Missouri victory? Well, Missouri, again, they're going to have, they're saying it's going to be a sold-out crowd at Perot Fields, and I hope it is. Kansas State won the Big 12 last year. Remember, they beat TCU in the Big 12 championship. Um, think Missouri... They gotta prove, you know, show me. It's the show me state. Show me that y'all are a passionate, driven football team. I don't know if they even you know, do they wanna be in the SEC or not? <laughs> do they wish they were in the Big Twelve? Do they wish they were in the Big Ten? I think the people in St. Louis wish they were in the Big Ten. I think the people in Kansas City that pull for them wish they were in the Big Twelve. People in the Missouri Boot Hill, which is like the Mississippi Delta, which is what it is, I think they like being in the SEC. But they're not. They, I don't know. Kansas State, I think, takes care of business tomorrow and, and gets the win. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But man, yeah, they struggled against Middle Tennessee State last week. I know every week is different, but man, they they've got a lot of issues. And again, in the second game of the season, that's typically who you are. Rob, I want to ask you about the game of the day for me personally because I'll be down in Starkville. Obviously, LSU, Mississippi State. Mississippi State's coming in 2-0 and after an impressive overtime win over Arizona last week. And LSU's 1-1 and lost to Florida State. 11 a.m. kickoff. Who wins in Davis-Wade Stadium on Saturday morning? Well, I think LSU has won 27 of the last 31 in that series. But Mississippi State... We talked about it with Jake Wimberly and Bo Carter and all the guys this morning on the on sidelines. Uh, that's the fewest yards Will Rogers thrown for since he was like an eighth-grade quarterback. And that was the concern is they're changing the identity. But to Will Rogers, it doesn't matter. Uh, Jake Wimberly knows his dad. He calls the high school games in Rankin, Mississippi. That's a team-first player. So, yeah, they're changing the offense. That's Doc Arnett. That's what he's going to do. Will Rogers is a leader. This guy is going to have a great career in the NFL. Mississippi State can run the ball, but the 11 o'clock game typically favors the visiting team. But LSU against Florida State, it wasn't that LSU had a bad game. Florida State didn't let them have a good game. People hardly ever want to give credit to the other team. Oh, they just had a bad day. Oh, so they woke up that day and said, yeah, we're going to have a bad day against Florida State. No, LSU, here's the thing about LSU. Last year, they get stomped at home 40-13, to 13, and I don't care if it's a day or a night game. you got to show up, LSU. And then they go on the road last year to Texas A&M, last game of the season, and lose to an Aggie team that has lost six games in a row. I mean, that's inexcusable. Then they get stomped against Florida State in the first game. Uh, LSU's got to show me that they're an elite team. I mean, look. They could run the table. That, that's a possibility. Mississippi State, what they got going for them is they got to pack that stadium. It's got to be loud. And but they got if they run the ball for north of 170 yards, they beat LSU because they, and they're going to switch and, and they're probably going to play a couple of quarterbacks tomorrow. But you know what they all love about Zach Arnett? This guy 
he looks like he could suit up and play. So, <laughs> but, I, but, but I'm going to, you know, LSU has more talent. I know all that and all. I still got to play the game in Starkville, but it does favor the visiting team. I'm just throwing out the, the 11 a.m. game. The crowd gets there late. They're hungover. They hadn't had enough to drink, hadn't had enough to eat. And you jump on top of them 14 to nothing, you can take them out real fast. State's got to jump on top early. If they get an early lead, I think they run away like they did against Texas A&M October 5th of 2014 in one of the most memorable games ever at Davis Wade Scott Field Stadium, Scott Field in Starkville, Mississippi. Rob, looking at the 2.30 CBS game, a, a pretty intriguing matchup. South Carolina will be traveling to Athens. Georgia's a 27-and-a-half-point favorite. What do the dogs have to do to cover against the Gamecocks? Play Georgia football. Play their defense with Glenn Schumann and Will Muschamp and Kirby Smart is elite. They, they really are. And they just keep putting players in there that are part of the culture like, like – Kirby was part of Alabama. I think South Carolina's problem is where's their offensive line? Where's their running game? Uh, Spencer Rattler is that he's a guy that a couple of years ago people thought was the Heisman front runner, number one, you know, pick in the draft. But two years in a row, he's pulled out of the game in the Red River Shootout, Texas, Oklahoma, and Dallas. Last year, he just kind of was there for the first seven or eight games. Then he came to life late in the season. Now he's playing really well, but the rest of the team isn't. I mean, North Carolina dominated that game. I see Georgia jumping on top early, but quarterback versus quarterback, pure talent, you've got to favor Spencer Rattler. But he doesn't have enough of a supporting cast around him. So I think Georgia gets the win tomorrow. I'm not real comfortable in saying that they're going to cover, but if they jump on top early, uh, South Carolina just not talented enough to to fight their way back. So I think Georgia, you know, 42 to, 42 to 17. Rob, we've got three more games I'm going to ask you about. I want to ask you about Ole Miss and Georgia Tech. Under the lights, Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, 6.30 kickoff on the SEC Network. Ole Miss, 17.5 point favorites. Uh, any way that the Rebels... You know, picture this as a trap game after, you know, dominating Tulane last week? Well, they didn't really dominate Tulane. They did in the second half. They pulled away with some turnovers and all. But Ole Miss's problem is, last year they were second in college football in the nation, running the football behind uh, Army or Navy, one of the service academies. This year, they're struggling to run the ball. Their offensive line coach from last year, Jake Thornton, is, on the, is now the offensive line coach at Auburn. The new guy they got came in from NC State, and Nancy Porter, Rebel Yell Hotline, was on the show earlier this week. He'll be back on with us tomorrow for the roundtable. He said that, he, you know, I said, where do you start with the offensive line? He goes, everywhere. They're, they're, they're underperforming everywhere on the offensive line. He goes, I don't know if he's favoring the guys he brought in from the portal or not. You know, he's, he's new from NC State, but Ole Miss isn't blowing people off the line of scrimmage. And I don't care how talented Quinshawn Judkins is, uh, who was a freshman, had one of the best freshman years in Southeastern Conference history. If Ole Miss can't start blowing people off the line of scrimmage, they're going to struggle. And and, and with, with uh, Harris out at receiver, 
You know, and then we talked about Michael Trigg, the tight end. Like like Angie said, that's six inches between his ears. He's got a million dollars worth of ability. But, you know, I mean, I'll say this, about $1.98 worth of football sense right now. He's got to show up. This is game three. Georgia Tech is six and four since Brent Key took over at Georgia Tech. Problem is with Georgia Tech, talent-wise, they're way below Ole Miss. So, I think Ole Miss breaks out tomorrow and, and, and wins big. They've got to because the next week, if they ain't worked out these problems by tomorrow night when they finish playing Georgia Tech, the next week they got Alabama. That's not the time, you know, to learn on the fly against Nick Saban. As much, much of problems as Alabama has, it's, a, it, it's still you're playing Alabama – well, I want to ask you, though, because there has been some off-the-field lawsuits and everything that have been filed within the last 36 hours uh, there in Oxford. Is that a distraction for the Rebels heading into the Georgia Tech game? Of course it is. They're not going to say it is, but when you got somebody that was in your locker room, you know, it was supposed to be a, a safe place, you know, not a safe space, but a safe place where you trust one another, and then this happens, and, and if you start going back and uh, archiving everything, every foul word, every four-letter word that comes out of a coach's mouth when they're talking to uh, their players, I mean, come on. You know, that's why you don't need mics near coaches on the sidelines in football. Can you believe what he said? <laughs> yeah, I can. I've been down there before. Yeah. I mean, there's still words that are floating out there in the atmosphere that I still had never interpreted they were so bad. But, yeah, that's going to be a distraction. And because that you start messing with that bond, that trust part of a football team, somebody taping, you know, the locker room, uh, getting on social media, you can break your break your locker room down. They need to get that thing resolved quickly. And I'm the ridiculous amount. I don't – Mitch, you tell me. What happened to this young man? Uh, they're saying – Something happened, but what do you know more about it? I, I just know kind of the 35,000 feet above the Earth's, you know, view of it right now. So what I'm hearing is, you know, the fact that uh, Ole Miss or uh, Lane Kiffin and a couple of his other coaching staff, the, the kid was going through some mental health stuff, which is a very real th- thing, and, you know, depression and all that, anxiety is a very real deal. And supposedly, uh, this is all supposed now, uh, Lane Kiffin told him the you know, explicit, explicit, stop being a explicit word. Um, supposedly, it was all, you know, videotaped or audio tape, and now the kid, uh, you know, Ole Miss threatened to kick him off the team, and now the kid is suing Ole Miss. It's not a, there's a whole lot of information about it. ESPN has more of it. Um, you know, a lot of the local media, uh, and it's a real shame that they haven't, has not picked up on this story as much. Um you know, you can read between the lines on that one, but um, you know, it does. It does. It, if it's all true, it's going to be pretty damning for Lane Kiffin. Well, let me say this: you just hit on it. You know, I think what people really want is for the local media to drill down on the stories. Okay, so I will say this: if ESPN's making a big deal out of it, and the local media who cover Ole Miss every day know what's going on down there. Uh, and as long as they're being honest, true grit journalism, uh, you got to wonder 
Because ESPN loves to make big deals and sensationalize stuff. Remember, these are the people, the national media and sports, that three years ago uh, picked out the burial suit off the casket and ordered the flowers. You know, college football with the virus. You know, the respirator's on, the priest is in the room, and they're calling the kinfolk to the bedside. Goodbye, college football. And we dug in in the South. We were all saying that you were on the show with us. You, me, Gordon, Jimmy, and everybody were saying, hey, look, we're going to play college football in the South. Don't worry about that. And it's not that we're not being safe and we don't care, but we're not going to be scared. Okay? Now, you know what? Uh, the fact that ESPN's making a big deal out of it, and the local media are not. And we'll talk to Yancey Porter from Rebel Yell Hotline on the show tomorrow morning. Make the 10 a.m. simple shameless plugs. Sidelines.live. <laughs> not like David Brunner on the old Tonight Show. I'll be at the Sands Hotel in Vegas Thursday through Sunday. Check me out now. But, Mitch, you're right. At the local, okay, why isn't, why isn't the local media? Why aren't they covering this story? Maybe, just maybe, they, they're like going, well, we know about this. So when the national people pick up on it, you know, they're just getting enough to run with the story. I don't know. But I've had some things said to me by teachers and coaches over the years that I cannot repeat on these airways because there are rules against it, okay? But I'll tell you something. Coach Jake Rudolph, legendary football coach in the U.S., made the million-dollar tackle for Georgia Tech to win the national championship when he played for Bobby Dodd. He told us one time we were in U.S. day camp. I was like third or fourth grade. There was a thunderstorm, thunder and lightning and everything. We were all scared. He goes, Oh, don't be scared. It's just thunder. My God, grow up. You know? And, and so I don't know what's going on. This kid's mental health issue. That's a big deal. I get that. But I wonder why. Okay? Why isn't the local media all over this thing? Okay? Because they should know. Again, we'll ask Yancey Porter tomorrow. I don't wish he bad will on this kid or not, but, you know, a 40-something million dollar lawsuit over... I mean, what? Again, I I don't know enough about it, but it's going to be a distraction if Ole Miss lets it be a distraction. I would would think that Lane Kiffin double down and say, guys, look, what we do here, you'll find out if they all trust each other by the way they play tomorrow night. Big game for Ole Miss against the Ramp Wreck from Jordan Tech. Rob, last one I have for you is going to be Tennessee and Florida. A big one at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium there at the Swamp in Gainesville, Florida. Uh, a lot of question marks for both teams coming into this game. A lot of them. Who wins, by how much, and what are the keys to the game? Well, I'll tell you, we had Allie Peak Wilbur, uh, who covers Florida closely. Uh, her husband, her brother, all played on national championship Gator teams. Her father, her grandfather. <laughs> we talked this morning about it, excuse me. And, you know, look at old, okay, look at Tennessee. Yeah, they struggled, you know, it's 13 to 6 at the half against Austin P. But Tennessee can run the ball. They're playing a great defense and forget the sack. Graham Mertz, Florida's quarterback, he's struggling. You know, you, you wonder why Florida can't get a, and I asked Allie this, you know, yeah, I know Richardson uh, was the number four pick in the draft, but I just, I don't see Florida doesn't have an explosive offense. Billy Napier is calling the plays. I don't see it. But Austin Peay held Josh Heupel's Tennessee offense to 
only three teams have held them to that few of points in the first half of a game. And two of them are named Georgia and Alabama. Okay? Uh, but, but here's an interesting stat. Florida's defense is averaging. Right, Armstrong, the defensive coordinator, 29-year-old coach, really relates well to these players. I think the defense is going to be really good. Tennessee, since 1953, in 70 years, do the math, 70 years, has only won in the swamp five times. And every time they've won, it's been an epic victory. Okay? So, like, like Alice calls it, the swamp monkey. How's Tennessee going to get it off their back? They don't have to go in there and be able to run the ball for 200 yards. And Joe Milton, look, all these people are jumping all over him. I think he's a hell of a quarterback. But you know what? He's averaging about half as many yards per pass after the first two games as Hendon Hooker did. He's different. They're all different. But he's going to have to prove tomorrow he can stand in the pocket and find his second and third reads. But also, he's going to have to run for 40 or 50 yards to keep drives alive because Florida's defense is really good. But I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say Tennessee should win based on quarterback play alone. And also, their defense is for real. Rodney Garner's defensive front, Mitch, he and Bo Davis are the two best defensive line coaches in college football. Remember, Bo Davis used to be at Alabama. Now he's at Texas. You saw the difference that made Saturday night in Tuscaloosa. But I'll pick Tennessee to win the game, but it's going to take an absolute full 60. And if Joe Milton goes down there and and plays scared, I think Florida then gets the win because they can run the ball too. They're, they're not your you know, fun and gun Steve Spurrier offense. They're different. And their defensive coordinator, Armstrong, is a stud. Rob, I'm picking Florida. I, I've gone on record to say Florida this weekend. It's in Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. The Vols have not won there since 2003. I'm picking the Gators to win. Rob, thank you so much for coming on the Mitch Davis Show podcast. It's always fun to have you. Drop where everybody can find all of your amazing work and all your episodes there at Sidelines. Hey, thank you. And look, I, I, it's hard, that, that Tennessee Florida is as hard a pick as I've seen in a while. live. We are live Monday through Saturday, or as they say in the Deep South, Saturday. Saturday Monday through Saturday mornings, 8 to 10 a.m. Central. Catch us live on YouTube uh, at youtube.com forward slash at sidelines underscore live and on Twitter at sidelines underscore live. And uh, look, I love being on your show. Love having you on our show. You're one of the young, true grit journalists who still remembers to indent five spaces to the right and isn't trying to get it first, but is trying to get it right. We need more Mitch Davises. God love Mitch Davis. There's movement in the aisles in Scottfield and Starkville, Mississippi. <laughs> Everyone in Canton, Mississippi says, Go dogs! See you next week! <laughs> you have been listening to the Mitch Davis Show podcast. I've been your host, Mitch Davis, founder of the MitchDavisShow.com weekly podcast. Everywhere you like to listen to your podcast, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, Google, everywhere you listen to your podcast, you can find 
The Mitch Davis Show. Just simply type in, check out the website. You can have more articles up each and every day talking about SEC football, even looking at adding a couple people to the website for weekly columns talking about Southeastern Conference football. Follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight, Facebook, Instagram at The Mitch Davis Show, and also check out the YouTube page at TheMitchDavisShow.com. A very, very special thank you to my guest, my good friend, my mentor, Rob Brown from Sidelines.Live for joining me to talk all things Southeastern Conference football. It's week three, a lot of excitement in the air. I'm going to be down at Starkville, Mississippi with SEC Nation and all the craziness down there for Mississippi State and LSU. Should be a fantastic matchup. Enjoy some football this weekend, and I will catch you all next Friday for the Mitch Davis Show podcast. Thank you, and have a great weekend.